You're listening to Family Personalities, a podcast where we use personality type to help change the way you think about your family. I'm Sandra Etherington, your personality type practitioner. And I'm M. Levy, personality type enthusiast. Join us while we talk about family, relationships, and parenting, all within the context of personality type. I was thinking, it's been a year. How do you feel about retiring the hey, hey, hey? We can retire it. <laughs> Come over it. <laughs> Let's retire it. Okay. Oh boy, I don't know how to start now. <laughs> um, hey everyone. <laughs> hey, it's good to be here. Today we're going to do a Why Do They Do That episode where we analyze the strange, annoying, or confusing things we or our family members do using, of course, personality type. You can send your Why Do They Do That moment to familypersonalitiespod at gmail.com. And today I have a listener Why Do They Do That moment for a someone with a child with ESFJ preferences. So that'll be fun to go over. I'm excited. Yeah, it's been a while since we recorded. Do you have anything exciting or new to share about life? Yeah, well, we were just talking about it. Uh, I got into a master's program in Belfast, Ireland for politics. Which is so cool. It's so awesome. And I, I, I applied after I lost my race and I was just feeling so lost and mm-hmm. needed something to work on. And, and Hillary Clinton, you know, she's the chancellor at the school and like runs a program and it just popped up on my feed. And I said, why the hell not? There's no way on God's green earth I'm going to get in. And then I got in and then making that decision was very difficult yeah, last we talked before today, you were like very much on the fence, but you were seemed like you were seriously considering it. And so today I was like, are you moving to Ireland? <laughs> no, and like I kind of thought I was. And I will say living in Ireland on a basic level is so much easier than living in the United States. Like mm-hmm. it's 400 pounds for healthcare. Like the housing's there. You don't need a car. The basic stuff that makes a city truly accessible is there and that was really nice and so at first i was like it's the logistics i can't go because the logistics and the logistics actually are incredibly smooth this school even put together a list of schools for my daughter to apply to mm. but i was just i was just telling sandra that sometimes we feel like we're just like hustling 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 either for worthiness or for the next thing and sometimes it's good to just step back and say it was really great that i got in but like my adventure right now is you know with my family and my young daughter in school And it will always be really cool that I got in and I tried something that I didn't think that I could do. Mm -hmm. And even happier that I made the decision to just be. Yeah. And you seem really at peace with that decision. I know. My therapist is so happy. If you're listening. (laughs) Does your therapist listen? I don't think so, but I hope so. (laughs) Uh, Things are good here. I um, got my first dose of the coronavirus yeah, vaccine. Your Fauci ouchie. I got my Fauci ouchie. I got first dose of Pfizer last week. So a couple Damn. more weeks I can get dose two and then it's exciting. And Eric got um, Johnson & Johnson yesterday. Oh my gosh. How did you feel after? When I got mine, I sat in that chair and I just cried and I was not oh, expecting it. it. Like it just was all of it. And all of a sudden I was just like, I'm so sorry. I like apologize. And she said... No, it's the most common reaction that they have tissues at every Mm. single station. Like I, so I, the way that I got mine 
early i mean you know in a in a, like a week and a half it's gonna be open to everyone but the way that i got mine early was by volunteering at the vaccination center so i had just done a seven hour shift of volunteering and so like i'd already seen all the vaccinations and like kind of processed that but so my tears actually came at the beginning when i was in the volunteer tent and they started like announcing like today we're gonna be vaccinating three thousand central oregon residents and everyone was clapping and then and we've you know we've vaccinated this many you know previously whatever and that's when i started getting really emotional it's like look what we're accomplishing and um, it felt very, very emotional. And then it's, once I got it, like I'd already been through this whole day of seeing the whole process. So it wasn't as emotional actually getting it. But. And the volunteers where we live are amazing. I thought I was at Disneyland. Everyone I was walking, <laughs> they're like, congratulations. I was like, where's my first time sticker? Like, and people were so kind and yeah. everyone is so happy. I think it will be one of those memories that I will actually really hold on to. It's just the feeling of being in the place of just like this community coming together, not only to do a job, but to do a job well mm. in a cheerful, impactful way. Uh, I think uh, well, that will, I think that will stick with a lot of people. Yeah. I didn't have a very glamorous job. I was in the, in like a back room sanitizing clipboards it, it all. <laughs> and pens. It's it was so actually important. Like, really strenuous. I was working alongside people who were 30 years older than me. And I, I was like, my back hurts. My <laughs> knees hurt. And I was like, how are you all doing this? I felt so old, but I did it. Isn't it cool to see people volunteer in the community come together? Mm-hmm. It's, it's just nice to have a little hope again. Yeah. Our kids are back in school full time. My sister's kids, Portland, Portland public schools have been out this entire time. (sighs) Not even any hybrid. Not hybrid or anything. Oh my gosh. So my sister-in-law was here and we all got to be each other because we're vaccinated. Um, I'm the only one that's waiting on a second shot. Everyone else has been vaccinated for a while. And my nephew came and he just held me for the longest time and he's 10. And it was just the sweetest Mm. thing. And then his mom... They found out that Portland Public was going back while they were here, and she just cried. She just sat there and just cried. Oh, my god. And then gosh. her back gave out. Oh, God. And I just, it's just like how much we've all been holding on to. You know, when we bring it back to personality types of, like, not just this year, but the I think the year following, we're going to really see how different people adapt because we have been holding on to so much, so much physical stress and emotional stress. And I don't even think we know how much we're carrying yet. I'm just looking. I'm so excited. I have so many plans. I'm just like, I have plans to look forward to. It's so exciting. Mm-hmm. So just going to update on the, do a little business update. Yes. Too. I've been working on a project that uh, I'd mentioned a workshop about a while back and I just didn't get enough interest to make it kind of worth all, all the effort that that would take to put into that. Uh, but what I am working on for anyone who's interested is a course, an online course that you can take that will be much more cost effective than the one-on-one work that I do with people to figure out your kid's personality type. So if that is something anyone's interested in or they wanted to pass on, keep listening to the podcast. You can get on the mailing list by going to my website and a little pop-up will come up that you can sign up to be on the mailing list or go to the familypersonalities.com slash podcast. And at the bottom of that page, there's a way to sign up. And that's where I will notify people once that's ready. Oh, I think that's great. And then, of course, don't forget that I do work one-on-one with families as well, and I use the cognitive functions to give you a full understanding of your child and every member of your family. You can sign up today or schedule a quick Zoom to ask questions at familypersonalities.com slash services. All right, should we get into our why do they do that fun? 
Yes, let's do it. Why do they do that? Why do they do that? Uh, why do they do that? I have no idea. Why? Let's start with our listener question. Yes. So I have a listener who wrote in. She has a nine-year-old with ESFJ preferences, and she says she's so emotional. She has huge outbursts and will run in her room and slam the door and cry at really small things. And she wants to know why does she react to seemingly small things all the time and how can they, you know, get a handle on these emotional outbursts. So what is what is your thought? Why do you, why do you think? Yeah, I mean all kids are emotional, right? For one, but <laughs> but with so that with the ESFJ type, we haven't gotten to the feeling and thinking cognitive functions yet, but ESFJs lead with the cognitive function that's called relational feeling. And it's a very like outward expressive feeling function. And so it has a need to get emotion and feelings and thoughts out into the world around it. And if that's like suppressed in any way, then it can kind of like burst forth. So by suppressed, you mean like what if someone's at school all day and they don't feel that they could express all their feelings and then they get home and just completely lose their ish? Is that like an example of that happening or is it more complicated than that? Yeah, that's an example. Or if they're receiving the message at home that the things that they're upset about, they shouldn't be upset about, that their feelings aren't valid that they're overreacting, that they're dramatic, then they might be trying to squelch their own expression of their emotion. And then all of a sudden it bursts forth and they can't suppress it anymore. And it comes out in this huge thing. So yeah, I mean, it's it also takes things very personally. This is a function that like any criticism or any conflict between siblings, from the parents, from anything else, they're going to take that as a judgment on who they are as a person. And so that could be triggering outbursts. Um, so I don't know. I always tell tell parents who have a child with who uses this function, like use lots of empathy like like use compliment sandwiches, you know, like, so if there's something like that, they did something to their sibling, you know, like, gosh, I, I love, I love you so much. And I want to make sure that you and your sibling are taking care of each other. And so I'd really like you to work on the words that you're using with your little sister. And, and I understand that you're upset and that sometimes when, when we're upset, we say things we don't mean and whatever, like lots of compliments within the correction. <laughs> and then also, how do you feel about this now? We'll give them opportunity to express whatever emotion they're feeling, like dinnertime check-ins. What's, what is it? How would, did everyone have a positive today and a negative? And how does everyone feel about that? And not denying whatever negative experience they've had can help with that. The apples and the onions. Ap- uh, my our our mutual friend Jess always says, "What's your apple and what's your onion of the day?" But my husband is a big fan of onions, and he takes personal offense to the <laughs> onion being the. But onions do make you cry. They do, and I don't particularly <laughs> love them. I think it's good to say, yeah, you know. And I remember when June was younger, I kind of wondered if she was a highly sensitive kid. I even bought a book mm. on like highly sensitive, and I think. 
that she's not, mm. but that she has a lot of feelings. And mm. I think some kids that are maybe maybe more serious or more like mature, just kind of naturally, like kind of have to grow into their bodies. And mm. I have seen as Juna's gotten older, I mean, she's only six, that like a lot of this has that I was really worried about when she was four has mm. completely dissipated as she is able to express herself more. And, and she goes to a school that has a huge emphasis on mm. social, emotional. And I have seen so much growth in just having the, her having her words to express those feelings. Yeah. And she uses this function as well, but in her co-pilot spot as, as a kid with ISFJ preferences. That feels very true. That just so, feels true in my soul. <laughs> as myself, who is a kid who used this function in my co-pilot spot, I feel like that's even a harder spot to have it because like she's she has someone who prefers introversion overall. And so that there's a discomfort with expressing herself to begin with, but then she also still has that need to do it. Um, and so it can kind of get clamped down and like grow and build into these emotions that you don't know what to do with. But yeah, so it, like I just feel like with it, this is kind of like an overall... Um, if you can keep that uh, kid's ability to constantly have the ability to express themselves, then you might see over time the big emotional outburst decreasing. Uh, you know, I think a, a good example, even though this is in June's co-pilot, yesterday she had an eclair that she had earned from vision therapy and I left it in the car. That is true. But it has been so cold, it did not occur to me that the weather was going to be warm enough to like... Mm. distort the cream within said eclair and just cried over this eclair but it was just right when she had gotten out of school right and she's so concerned about being so exact at school yeah that i think it all just just sobbing over the eclair mm. just devastated and then she hasn't mentioned the clear sense. I don't you know. Like, <laughs> it's not about the eclair. To, it was like that emotion was building and her building her and the eclair was like the last little bit on it that just made it burst forth. Yeah, it's hard. It's hard. This is their little brains and they're processing so much. And then you put COVID. But let's say like, what would your advice be if you do have a kid that, you know, with these preferences who maybe does lean towards like a highly sensitive kid? as far as a parent being able to cope with it on the parent side. Yeah, that's tough. And, you know, it, it's hard when there's families where either they, the parents have a thinking preference or they have a feeling preference, but they weren't raised in, 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 um, in it's okay to be emotional and express your emotions and sometimes be irrational with your emotions kind of way, then we pass that message on to our children and also we still have that belief that like there's something wrong with my child if they're seemingly irrationally upset about something so it's i think there's a it's a, a practice of and also um a turning inward and being empathetic with yourself you know like if you can start being gentle on yourself then you can probably start being more gentle on your child too and and also just reminding yourself, I guess, that it's okay that emotions aren't always rational. Yeah, absolutely. Do you have a hard time with that ever? Like the rationality of emotions of your kid? No, but I mean, yes. I mean, we all do, right? But my sister, she is a thinker, as we've discussed. But I was like, but she has so many feelings. But they're <laughs> – no, she's definitely a thinker. And I see this. Like she'll say to uh, me, like, 
oh no, here come the feelings. Like she'll literally say <laughs> it out loud. And it's funny, I've seen her soften too as like we've gotten older, but like because we're so close, she'll just like absolutely out out loud say, I'm very uncomfortable with all these feelings, you know? <laughs> And I think for a long time, I thought there was something wrong with me because, like, she's my big sister and very much like a maternal figure to me, too. Um, but, like, it's funny how we've grown through that. And I think it's okay to, like, to express that to your kid, too. Like, I have a hard time with, with feelings. And sometimes mommy doesn't react the best when you're really upset and emotional, especially when your child's older. At nine, they can start to understand this. Like, I... And I'm sorry. And that's my fault. That's not your fault. It's okay for you to have these feelings. Sometimes I react because feelings are hard for me to deal with. Um, with Riker, it's the opposite. And I've started to verbalize this to him where he's very, when he gets upset, he goes into his efficient thinking function, which is a, like trying to get control over things. So when he's upset, instead of the emotional, like crying and needing to express his emotions, he is all of a sudden trying to get control and he'll start arguing with me. He'll start debating with me. He'll refuse to move. Like he's just trying to get control of the situation. And that triggers me like crazy. And um, because there's no, he's not taking my feelings into account. He's working against me. He's disrupting the harmony, which is harmony is so important to me. And so I've talked to him and I've been like, this is really stressful for me. And sometimes I don't deal with it well because it kind of triggers me and makes me upset. And he's like, why? Why does it make you upset? And I'm like, it's really hard to explain, especially in like kid terms. But just putting that out there, I feel like can diffuse it a lot, like, and help them understand that you're only human too. Like everyone's only human and we can just talk it out. And what are the differences between how, what stresses you out versus what stresses me out? I think that's so good to have those conversations. I was talking to my aunt yesterday and she's just like, a great mom and has raised like two really great adults and she says you know you always have to remind yourself your goal is to create independent happy sustainable you know children who can go into the world and be themselves and and, and do well you know and a lot of that is letting them see that you are a human and that you are having these conversations so that they are prepared for the for the world, and that's ultimately our job, even though I'm just the biggest coddler and I'm just a hover. <laughs> but, like, I just have to remind myself, like, that's the goal. Yeah. It was hard this week. They did the safe touch thing at school. Mm. And I just loved the teacher that did it. And I asked June if she had any questions. She didn't want to talk about it with me. Um, and I said, okay, you know, it's always here. But then at Vision Therapy, her she was kind of doing this, like, different thing with like bilateral movement so that her her therapist said can I touch you like on your arm and she said you know yes miss so and so that's that's an okay touch mm. and so I'm like oh, they are so capable of having these conversations and having these topics as long as they're age appropriate you know like Frank Reich would be like okay well he might not understand like all the layers and nuance but he can understand like that's really hard on mom and maybe I don't do my best and I'm trying and I'm acknowledging this instead of like just frustration. Yeah. And I, uh, a lot of times I'll, you know, I just get like, especially at the end of the day, like I can't do arguments or debate about things. And so I'll just, I'll tell him like, I can't talk about this with you right now because remember this is something that stresses mama out having these, when you negotiate with me, that's something that stresses me out. So let's talk about it tomorrow. And I'd be like, but why? Like I told you, this is something that stresses me out. So we'll talk about it tomorrow when I have more energy or go talk about it with dad who uses thinking. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. Exactly. Um, so yeah, 
you and if you're not in the in the space to deal with your child's big emotions too if you have a a parent like outsourcing is so great or like passing the buck like i can't deal with this right now but maybe my spouse can or my parenting partner or a grandparent or maybe someone else can deal with this right now when i just don't have the space for it because we have to recognize when we're stretching too and that we can't stretch all the time it's not good for anybody yeah all right do you have any why do they do that moments today so I have a friend going through really intense fertility treatments and her mm. husband is a thinker, like mm-hmm. a super big thinker. And so she goes in to have egg retrieval. Mm-hmm. They get a certain amount of eggs. Uh, Three-fourths of them are ready to go toward, you know, the the next process, the fertilization mm-hmm. and then the genetic testing. And then she mm-hmm. lost all of her eggs. Oh, And her partner then says, well, at least it wasn't implanted. Sandra, I just heard Bill Burr's rant saying how women should be supporting female athletes and not real housewives who just yell at each other. That's ridiculous. Real housewives is a sport. Join us on From the Bleachers, where we analyze the strategy and gameplay that our favorite reality stars use to earn additional seasons of play and social media fame. And if you're lucky, Sandra will pull out her apology play rubric so you can all see what an easy grader I am. I'm sorry, Mandy, but if you think Monica's apology to Heather on Salt Lake City deserved anything over a 2.5, you're delusional. (laughs) (laughs) Whether we're breaking down confrontation play, relishing the bravo, bravo, bravo moments, or awarding a tardy for the party, we are the only place you'll find in-depth analysis of the plays that your favorite housewives are making on our screens. From the Bleachers, a Real Housewives game analysis is available everywhere podcasts live. That was yeah. the emotional... Like, it's just completely literal. Like, everything he offers on the subject of eggs and IVF is utterly literal. Yeah, and like uh, emotionally removed, objective. Emotionally, yeah, it's just like all about the science, and he's in, he is a scientist or whatever. So it's just so... That's so hard because once you get to, because I did IVF with Ripley, and you get to that, like you've already put in a lot of physical pain by that point, or like, you know, exhaustion, drugs, um, you've put in a lot of hope. You've put in a lot of money by that point. And then to like, yeah, yeah. Okay. Maybe it would have been worse if it had been implanted and you miscarried, but that doesn't negate how difficult it is at that point. Like I remember we were, we had very low amount of, not a really low amount of eggs. We had a somewhat low amount of eggs, but then they started falling off really mm-hmm. quick. And we only ended up with three to send for testing. And I have a chromosome um, abnormality or like that I pass on. I carry a chromosome abnormality. Um, and so the chances of all three coming back abnormal was very, very high. And that that stress and that tension of like needing it to work, it just so stressful oh and we also my body wasn't responding well to the drugs and we kept having to like every day you had to make the choice of whether to spend 800 more dollars on drugs to go two more days or whether to just call the the whole cycle off 
and oh my you know God. <laughs> oh it was so stressful and like so like you just want it to work so bad but the doctor's like you're just not responding well we might be better to just cut the cycle off and then try it again next time um and then we, we she was like let's do two more days so i like went and bought 800 dollars more of drugs we did two more days and then it seemed like it was good enough to keep going forward and just like there's just so much and it's so stressful and eric is also uses thinking and he but he's pretty he's He's done a good job, I feel like, of balancing his other side of not being super one-sided in it. But sometimes, yeah, he would. He didn't know necessarily how to be there for me, and um, I had to turn to other people because I knew that other people in my life would be better at that. Um, and he was pretty good at not making too many comments. But every once in a while, he would make a comment that would just, I would just, it would really hurt. Yeah, it's so painful, like because her body was just is bruised and swollen and. Yeah, and then of course when it's the man who's not going through it who says yeah, the thing. It's yeah. like, okay, you have not been the one who's like been going and getting your blood drawn every other day. And I have bad veins too that are hard to get. And so I'm all like it was all bruised up. They'd have to go from arm to arm to arm, stick me like six times just to get one blood draw and go to my wrists and it's oh, so good times. much. <laughs> it's so much. And it's like I never have good advice because I'm always like, hold my purse. I got some things to say, you know. <laughs> but, you know, I feel like you can be a thinker and stretch yourself. Mm-hmm. They got but married later in life. And so it's been pretty set in his ways. They're in their 40s, yeah. you know. They got married at 40. Yeah. But then there's also the understanding that cer- that it is a stretch and um, not expecting them to be able to do that all the time too. Like that was a bit, that's a big thing for me is that like, I, I know people in my life who I go to for certain types of support. Like I, you know, can't rely on one person to give us everything because they're only human too. That's true. I feel like, yeah, like just kind of knowing who you can go to and who's good for, you know, if I need to vent my feelings, I'm not going to call my sister, but if I need to like to plan my trip, I'm going to call my sister, you know, although Mm -hmm. I still do vent all my feelings to her. Like, (laughs) you know, there's some people that like, I have this one friend or two friends that are just so amazing. And we were talking about ambiguous grief and how, you know, our society is so structured around, even, even as we've evolved, you know, partnership and like a, Women our age, you know, it's, they're typically married. And there was just like an article, I think it was in The Atlantic, about, you know, ambiguous grief for people who are single, you know, who there's because our society has been so family focused or, you know, patriarchy or whatever, that if you like have a miscarriage, you have whatever, like there's all these words around that kind of grief. Mm. But if like, you know, you get, stood up or like whatever like there's just not as much language for that as like we get older because it was just a great article um and and so my friend said when you're going through this ambiguous grief like how can we support you the best Mm. and I'm like that's the person I go to when I need to she's just is always just you know and then like said you know if I if I've ever been insensitive like just please let me know because I really want to know when I'm insensitive to this, to this grief. Yeah. And it's like, those are, everybody has their strengths. Yeah. It's hard. It's when you're, it's your partner. It is really hard when it's your partner and you really want to be able to rely on them and, and they're hurting your feelings. And I think like you have to be able to put it logically to them, how that hurts you. And that's a stretch for the feeler 
And so if you're in a bad place and you're hurting, it's really hard to then feel like now I have to put it logically for you when I'm exhausted and it seems so obvious to me why this is so painful. Yeah, that's really tough. It is hard. It's all hard. Okay, so I have kind of a fun why do they do that. Yes, go. My uh, A few weeks back, my so we actually, on a whim, uh, maybe like a month and a half ago, I went out and got gerbils for the kids. We think it was just kind That's of right. A- <laughs> you did get those gerbils. And I was like, you have rats in your house. <laughs> I think it was just kind of like a boredom thing. Like we just, we have no plans still with the pandemic. We have like every day is the same. And I was just like, my, the kids have been asking for a dog for forever, which I'm just not ready for. Um, so I was like, we're going and we're getting, we actually hadn't decided it was gerbils. I was like, we're going to go get some sort of rodent today. And we just went to the pet stores and we got talked into gerbils at this one pet store. And so we came home with two gerbils. I didn't, have, I, I didn't, I had done no research. I had done nothing. Um, so now we own gerbils. That's cr- so what did they, what did they name the gerbils? First, they named them Billy and Millie, and then Millie's name Solid got changed. Name. Got, <laughs> Millie's name got changed to Alice. Um, she is a boy. They're both boys, but uh, Ripley really wanted to name her hers a girl name. So I love that. Alice is, that was, if we had another baby, she'd be an Alice. Oh. Well, you can have our gerbil if you want. No, you can't. Ripley no. would very, be very upset. So you woke up that morning and you said, today's the day for a rodent <laughs> in my home. Yes. Two rodents. <laughs> Two rodents. Billy and Alice, formerly known as Millie. So I signed them up for, I don't know if you've ever done any classes throughout the school. The rodents or the children? The The children. I signed them up for a class on outschool.com oh, for yeah. m- making toys for your, they said hamsters, but hamsters, you know, they're similar to gerbils. So I signed them up for that so they could make their own little toys out of like, just like toilet paper rolls and popsicle sticks and stuff like that for the gerbils to play in and mostly just chew on. They chew like crazy, even more than hamsters. Like they are just like, I put a pine cone in their cage and it's gone within like an hour. They've like nubbed it all the way down. They're just like, yeah, 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 yeah. They're just always chewing. So um, I sent them up for this class. And the way that they approached the making of the things and the, and the taking of the class was so entirely different. And so I really wanted to share it. I actually wrote it. I sent an email to myself that day. I was like, we need to talk about this on the podcast. Oh, I'm excited. Okay. So it was like, basically, there was like an overall goal to the class. And she kind of gave like three different options which were like, I can't even remember what all the options were, but one was like, you could make a, like a maze for the, for them. And then there's like little toys along the way or little rooms that they go into or, and I can't remember what the other couple options were, but there was little elements that would go inside and she was going to make the little elements, but with this plan in mind of this big thing you're going to make. So Riker immediately is like, oh, I want to make the maze. He was, he was excited about it. He had a vision in his head about what he wanted to look like. He was following the instructions. He was on top of it. He was really frustrated that the two of them had to share a glue gun because we only have one glue gun. And so it was taking them longer than the other kids in the class. So he felt like he was falling behind. Um, but he worked really quickly and efficiently. He got stressed um, about not being able to keep up. He, she at one point was like, oh, and we can color, you know, we can color it and make it pretty. If you use non-toxic markers, you can like color the popsicle sticks on what you're making. He didn't bother with that. He just was like, nope, I have my vision and I'm going to build towards it. And then when he was done, he was done. Like, I think he worked for like a couple more minutes after the class was over because he wasn't quite finished with his element. And then he like wanted to put it together and he wanted to put the gerbils in it. And then 
you know, that was it. He didn't come back to it again after that day. So then there's Ripley on the other hand. So uh, Riker, by the way, has INTJ preferences. Ripley has ISFP preferences. So she started following the instructions. When they were given these three options, uh, she was like, I don't know. I don't know what I want it to be. Like, I don't know. But then since Riker was so decisive, she was like, okay, maybe we'll just both make that together. Or I think I suggested that uh, because it seemed like a big thing. So I was like, they can both kind of work on this one thing together. Um, But she you know, just let Riker choose. And then she stayed focused on this one thing that they were making in the beginning, which was like kind of three toilet paper rolls together with popsicle sticks up the side, kind of like a ladder so they could climb up it and then down the other side. And she ended up spending her entire hour long class on that one thing. And it didn't seem to bother her that the whole class had moved on to other things. She was just still on her little thing. And then when it was suggested that they color it, she was like, oh, yes, we must color it. And so each popsicle stick was a different color. And she was like carefully making them the different colors and just kind of like in her own world, enjoying her creation. And then um, after the class, she just kept working on it. She just, she wanted to finish her thing. And then I was like, you want to make this other thing they had made? And then she kept working on that. And she worked for like an hour after the class, just like still kind of dabbling. And then she would come back another day and be like, oh, let's, I never quite finished this thing. Let's do that. Or let me start a new thing for the gerbils and just kind of like kept coming back and dabbling at it. How does Alice like her maze, though? <laughs> so it's the maze the theirs. maze is a complete disaster because they can escape. Gerbils can escape out of anything, like anything. It was like a tall box. And within within less than a minute, they had figured out how to, like, jump to, like, the smaller walls up to the bigger walls that are, like, this tiny, thin cardboard thing and, like, balance on that and try and jump out to escape. And uh, so it didn't – the maze itself didn't go well, but all the little toys within it are great. And we – you know, put them in their cage and they chew them up and hide in them and whatever else. Yeah, that's so interesting. Like that's like almost exact opposite. Yeah. Yeah. So one of the things is like the So, so Ripley has an, an, a sensing preference and Riker has an intuition preference. And so with the sensing, she was much more about the kind of the details and like And she also uses responsive sensing. So that's more about like the present moment and what's going on right now. So whereas Riker with the intuition is more like the big picture. So he had this vision of what it was going to look like and he was working towards the big picture. And then also he, his um, TJ, that's uh, efficient thinking is all about getting things done. And so for him, it was like, got to work efficiently and quickly and get things done. Whereas her with her perceiving, she's just, you know, there's, there isn't that same like time pressure or like, you know, feeling like she needs to keep up or like finish. And so it's all about like what's happening right now. And like, you know, being able to just kind of dabble and enjoy the process and like really focus on her one little thing that she was making. It was just neat how they came at it from completely different ways. And did they both like enjoy the process though? Like, yeah. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. They both had fun with it. They just did it in their, their own different ways. I still can't believe you have gerbils though. (laughs) I wonder, so I was listening, uh, have you guys, do you guys ever listen to the wow in the world podcast? Mm -mm. Is this NPR or somehow associated with NPR? They have like, and it's kids stories and like, my nephews are obsessed with it. June's obsessed with it. I, I think your kids would love it too. And it's just like these little 20 minute stories. Um, and they're very kind of science focused or anthropology focused. And we learned yesterday that rats are ticklish. Oh. And they laugh. No. And they can control their laughter, but humans cannot control their laughter with being tickled. Huh. 
I feel yeah. like I can control my laughter when I'm tickled. But I wonder. Because <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like, I just put on the pissed off face and be like, you better freaking suck right now. And if I laugh, I know that's not going to happen. That's just going to be tickled. So I'm just like, mm-mm. Maybe you're not getting a smile or a laugh out of me. You're getting the death stare. You're very evolved, apparently, in the <laughs> laughing, whatever, per wow in the world. So I wonder if your I'm gerbils just, laugh. Maybe I'm part rat. They're very evolved. Our gerbils don't laugh, but they do bite. If I had to do it over again, I don't know if I would have got gerbils. But they're really fun to watch. Like, they're much more active than hamsters, and they're always doing silly things. And, like, they're constantly just running around doing crazy things. So they're fun I to watch, it. but... They don't, they, you can't, they're not calm enough for the kids to hold them. Um, they bite and it's not, it's not like a mean bite. It's just like a, they're testing your finger, but it hurts. Mm-hmm. Oh, Alice. Well, I hope you guys enjoyed our analysis this fine episode. You can check the show notes at familypersonalities.com slash 46. Don't forget that I can help you parent more easily and peacefully through the use of personality type in your house and start analyzing your families. Why do that? Do, why do they do that moments with one another? at familypersonalities.com slash services. Give us a review on iTunes. Either hit that five stars or leave a review with your personality type in it. Our email is familypersonalitiespod at gmail.com and you can send us a why do they do that moment. There's also my Instagram and Facebook, Family Personalities. And you can follow M at Emerson, the number four O-R. We'll see you next time. Bye. That's it for our show this week. We would like to apologize to our children, our parents, our spouses, and anyone else we may have lovingly thrown under the bus this episode. Thank you for listening and catch us next time on the Family Personalities Podcast.